Amen. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad God's alive and at work today? Aren't you glad that God still answers prayer? I sure am. God is uh, just as great and strong as he's ever been. And I'm thankful to be on God's team here tonight. James chapter number one in our Bibles this evening, the book of James chapter number one. Uh, my name is Dan Mawson. I am the pastor of Victory Baptist Church in Chester Springs, Pennsylvania. You say, where is that? It's about one hour west of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly shove. I mean, brotherly love. And uh, it's good to be down here in the south where everyone is warm and uh, friendly. Well, just about everyone is warm and friendly. I was here a couple of years ago at a GIBF meeting. And uh, I remember that meeting. It was a blessing to my heart. It was an encouragement. You folks as a church were an encouragement. I, again, I was struck with the friendliness and warmth of a church down here in the south. Y'all have a lot of churches around here. I, you drive around and there's a church here, and church there, and a church there. I'll tell you that. I, I, I'm glad for Canaan Baptist Church, and I'm glad for your preacher. Your preacher and I have been friends for a number of years. Uh, we took some seminary classes together, and uh, he, he finished seminary. He was a scholar. I never finished because I had an opportunity to teach homiletics instead of finish, and so I said, forget that. I'm going to teach, and uh, I'm thankful that God led him here, but I have to tell you this. At first, I wasn't. Uh, Brother, Evan uh, Brother uh, Ingram was an evangelist. You know that, and uh, he uh, had meetings at our church. As a matter of fact, uh, he had one meeting where uh, this fella came and this fella got right with God. And uh, he was here every night. And uh, soon after Brother Ingham left, this fella's wife got saved. He was saved. His wife wasn't. Uh, his mother-in-law got saved. The kids got saved. He's a deacon today at our church. And uh, I have a picture in my office of uh, him and his wife and me and uh, Brother Ingram. And I said this to Brother Ingram when he told me he was going to be a pastor of a church. I said, Brother... I said, you are one of the best evangelists we have out there. Are you sure this is God's will? Yeah, this is God's will. But I'm thankful. I tell you this, uh, uh, he's doing a great work. And, and I'll tell you this. I told him the other day, I said, boy, God has given you a lot of influence with preachers and churches all across the country. And I'm thankful for God's hand on your pastor's life. And let me tell you this. I know uh, you probably are thankful. Don't ever underestimate uh, your preacher. Tell him you love him. Share with him uh, how, what a blessing he is. Uh, nobody understands the other side of the ministry unless you've been in the other side of the ministry. And I thank, I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful for his faith. You know, I like to talk to people that encourage me. Uh, you know, some people are drains, you know, they're a drain. You get around them and all the life goes out. Uh, other people energize you. And uh, Brother Ingram is one of those folks that energizes me and keeps me encouraged as a pastor in the ministry, and I'm thankful for it. You're in James chapter 1. All right, let's stand. We're going to read a couple verses here. I'd like to stay in one passage of Scripture and explain that and stay there, but we're not going to do that tonight. Tonight I want to preach a message that God has laid on my heart entitled, God's Purpose for Your Storm. 
God's purpose for your storm. I was encouraged when I sat right here and that brother got up and said, all of us have storms. We sang a shelter in the time of storm. I'm thankful for the music that communicates that God still loves and answers prayer and God knows our deepest hurt. I hope to be a blessing to you tonight. James chapter one, we're gonna start here. Verse number one, the Bible says this, James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Lord, we ask tonight that you would meet with us. Lord, I recognize that I'm a nobody. Lord, I can't do anything to help anybody, but you can. Lord, your word says, without me, we're nothing. Lord, I yield myself to you. I ask, Lord, that you would uh, cleanse me of sin. I ask, Lord, that you'd fill me with your spirit. And I ask, Lord, that you would meet the needs of your people here tonight. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We live in uncertain times. Obviously, as a nation and as churches, we've had a lot of challenges here recently with COVID and, and uh, all of the masks and the, uh, the government issues and food shortages and gas prices. By the way, be thankful for your gas prices. I'm driving around down here thinking, man, they got cheap gas. Our gas is about a dollar more per gallon than yours is last time uh, I checked. And sometimes we, we look at challenges, and I don't know about you, I, I kind of don't like trials. If I see a trial coming, I'm going to run the other way. I, I don't like trials at all. Sometimes we forget what the Bible says in Job 14 and verse number one, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Now, I don't know how many of you, well, I do know how many of you. How many of you were born of a woman? Can I see your hands? Yeah. Uh, all of us were born of a woman, which means this, which means we are going to have trouble in our lives. Now we read here in the book of James and the book of James says we should count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations. But I don't know about you, when I find myself in the midst of a trial, I find myself wanting to get out of the trial as soon as I possibly can. But do you know that God has a different perspective on trials than we do? We don't like trials, but God uses trials in our lives for a purpose. So here's what I want to do tonight. What I want to do is I want to take you to three familiar passages of Scripture that deal with a storm. And I want to show you God's purpose for that storm, and I want to use it to encourage us as we think concerning the difficulty that we face in our lives. So take your Bibles and turn to Jonah chapter number one. The book of Jonah chapter number one. If you've been in church any length of time, you are familiar with the story of Jonah, I'm sure. And we read in this story, God sending a storm I can't do two things at, at once. Let me find Jonah. All right, there we go. Uh, my wife can do 25 things at once. I can't do two things at once. There I am in Jonah. God uses a storm in Jonah's life 
to do something. If you're taking notes tonight, I want you to put next to this storm, I want you to put the words, the wake up storm, the wake up storm. Look at verse number one. The Bible says this. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Think about this. The God of heaven, the God that spoke this world into existence, says to Jonah, I have a job for you. I have something, Jonah, that I want you to do. I want you to stand in my place and I want you to preach me, teach them concerning me, the Ninevites. Isn't that amazing that God has a job for us to do? But sometimes we can find ourselves maybe not as blatant and as open as Jonah, but sometimes we can find ourselves not doing what God wants us to do. The Bible says this in verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. Notice the next phrase, from the presence of the Lord. And went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. God said, Jonah, I've got a job for you. I want you to preach in Nineveh. And the Bible says Jonah went to Tarshish. He went the exact opposite way that God wanted him to go. Now, you know what? We could read this story. So God, Jonah went to, uh, to, uh, to Tarshish and God killed him, struck him down with lightning, the end. We could read in this story that they threw Jonah overboard and the fish swallowed him up, chewed him into pieces, the end. But God's not like that. Our God is a loving God. Our God is a merciful God. Our God is a God, when we get off track, he will send us difficulties sometimes to wake us up. And the Bible says this in verse four, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. God sent the storm and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and, as, and, and, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper, arise? Call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. They asked Jonah concerning his story. Verse 9, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? Isn't it interesting they're asking him, If you serve the Lord that made these storms, why in the world are you running from him? And you know the story, Jonah recognizes that this storm was brought in his life and he says this, throw me overboard. Again, we could have read the end, but we don't read the end. As a matter of fact, in chapter number two, and of course Jonah had issues through chapter number four as well. But he recognizes that God's doing something here. And the Bible says in chapter number two and verse number two, then Jonah 
prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. That's verse one. Now I'll read verse two. And he said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Do you know God will sometimes send difficulty and hardship in our life to get us back to where we need to be spiritually? Oh, we may not run away from God like Jonah. I'm doing my own thing. But sometimes the songwriter said it this way. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Sometimes we can get busy with life and we can get up and not spend time with God. And a day or a two or three or four can go and, and, and we haven't spent time with God. I've been in the ministry for over 30 years. I'm thankful that I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a Christian home and my parents ingrained in us to read your Bible and pray every day. Do you know when I was not right with God, I still got up and read my Bible because that's what I was supposed to do. Do you know when I got in the ministry, I was naive. I would ask people in the church that I worked in, hey, are you reading your Bible? I'd ask teenagers to work with teenagers, are you reading your Bible? And I'd get this answer, well, not like I should. Do you know, as I matured in ministry three, four, five years later, hey, are you reading your Bible? And they say, not like I should. And you know what I'd say to them? So you're really not reading it at all. And nine out of 10 of them would say, I'm really not reading it at all. You see, we have a tendency sometimes, we get away from the things of God and God loves us and God wants a close relationship with us and God wants to answer our prayers and God wants to be our best friend and because he loves us so much, he's got to bring difficulties that we can't handle that cause us to come back to him. When my son was young, he was really sick and I remember going to his room and he had a fever and he was sick and I remember trying to get him to, to take some medicine. And he didn't want to do it. He didn't feel like doing it. And you know what I had to do? I had to force it. Like every mom here is probably done. I had to force it in his mouth. And to him, this is painful. This hurts. Hey, what are you doing? I'm getting this medicine in you. Why? Because this medicine is good for you and this medicine is going to help you to get better. Years ago, I worked at a church, and there was a guy that would come to church, and he'd come to church periodically, and he got diagnosed with a brain tumor. I remember going to the hospital to see him, and I'm thinking, this guy's probably going to die. You know, brain tumors, you die from brain tumors. And I went to the hospital, and I prayed with him, and I left there thinking, boy, I hope, I hope somehow this guy survives. Sure enough, it was a tumor that came from a football accident, and the guy lived, and it was awesome. But you know what God did in the guy's life? God got him on fire for God through that difficulty. He was at prayer meeting. He was at church. He was at faith. I mean, he was like, what did God do? God brought a storm in his life to wake him up and to bring him closer to himself. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the gospel of Mark. Now, I've already told Brother Ingram that I don't preach as long as he does and I told him I'm going to try to expand it a little bit. Uh, I don't know what it is. Some, some guys just, again, they're, 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 they're smarter. Uh, they're deeper. Uh, I, I tell the intellectuals, I kind of swim in the shallow end, you know? 
when you grow up, you got the 12 foot, the dive board, dive board, psh, you know, I'm in the kiddie pool. All right. I'm in the kiddie pool. Uh, Mark chapter number four. We see another storm. If you're taking notes, I want you to mark next to this one, the grow up storm, the grow up storm. There are times when God brings storms in our lives to wake us up. But there are times in our lives when God brings storms to grow us, to grow us, to show us some things uh, about him maybe that we have never experienced before. Mark 4 and verse 35. The Bible says, And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm, a storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Here, the disciples, these men were fishermen. They've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. But they've got a storm in their life here. And this is a bad storm. And the ship is getting full of water. And the Bible says in verse 38, And he, Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Now think about this just a minute. Jesus, the Son of God, got in the boat with them. They were in the center of God's will. Jesus is with them. And they're looking around as experienced fishermen at the waves, at the storm, the water's coming in the boat, and they do just like we do when things get hard. They wake up Jesus and they say this, carest thou not that we perish? Jesus, look, we're scared to death. Look at the difficulty here. Do you care? Don't we find ourselves sometimes when life gets really hard, we find ourselves sometimes the the pain is deep. The problems are big. And we sometimes can take a step back and we can say, God, where are you? God, do you not see what I'm going through? God, did you not hear what they said to me? Carest thou not, God? He cares. What's he trying to do? He's trying to grow us. The songwriter asked, hey, does Jesus care? And the chorus, I got it right here. Does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for myrrh and song? As the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. Amen. Sometimes we look at the challenges around us. Sometimes we look at the situations that we face and we can find ourselves well, questioning. We can find ourselves wondering. And you know what? God allows difficulty to show us some things about him. What does Jesus do? Look at our text here. Verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. 
And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They wake Jesus up and Jesus says, Peace be still. And everything calms. And here's what the disciples say uh, in, 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 in my vernacular. They look at each other and they say, Wow, we didn't know that he could do that. You see, they're amazed that Jesus could wake and Jesus could calm the sea. Question, if they hadn't been in the storm, if they hadn't faced the difficulty, if they haven't felt like we're going to die, they would have never seen Jesus stand up and say, peace be still, and then come to the conclusion, wow, my God is bigger than I thought he was. Can you go with me in your mind to John chapter number 11? Lazarus is sick. Martha and Mary, they love Lazarus. They wanted Jesus to come. I can see them asking people, is, is anybody see Jesus? I know we got word to Jesus. Where's Jesus? He's getting sick. Is he sick? How? Oh, he's going down. And Martha and Mary get the news that Lazarus died. The scripture tells us, you know the story, Jesus delayed on purpose. Why? Because Jesus wanted to grow them. Jesus wanted them to see he is the resurrection and the life. Hey, he comes to town and he sees Martha and what does Martha say? Jesus, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. You, you weren't here. He disappointed her. He didn't respond in the way that she thought he should have responded. And sometimes that's where we find ourselves. We pray and we ask God, Lord, you got to work in this way. And, and God doesn't work in the way that we often think. Mary, the master calleth for you. She's in her room. Mary comes down and she sees Jesus and Lord, if you had been here, she says the exact same thing Martha said. If you had been here, Lord, he, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus takes them to the tomb. And Jesus says, roll away the stone. Now, I find it interesting. Martha has to talk to Jesus a little bit. You know, ladies have a better sense of smell than men do. And you'll notice it was a woman that said to Jesus, hold on, time out just a second. That boy is going to stink. He's been in there for four days. Like Jesus doesn't know what he's doing. The guys are all like, ah, who cares? Who gives a rip? It'll all be good, right? But Martha, she says, you know, he's going to stink. And Jesus says what? Roll the stone away. Lazarus, come forth. And he comes forth. And Martha, Mary, and all the others around are thinking what? Wow, I didn't know that he could do that. He's bigger and more powerful than I could ever have imagined. But wait a second. A few hours before, Martha and Mary, they're thinking Jesus didn't do the right thing, just like we sometimes think. And what God is trying to do is God is trying to show us 
that he's bigger and more wise and more able. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And sometimes he puts us in a situation where we're in need. I'm sure you're familiar with the name George Mueller. Yeah, the name George Mueller. And you read a story about George Mueller, the man of prayer. And uh, you read a story where George Mueller uh, has his orphanage and he sets everyone around the table and there's no food at all. And he prays and says, thank you, Lord, for the food you're going to provide. And the knock comes on the door and they say, hey, our, our truck, our food truck broke down uh, out here. Can you guys take this stuff because it's going to go bad? And we think, wow, what it, what it. And here's what we say. Lord, would you help me to pray like George Mueller? Help me to pray like George Mueller. And you know what, what God's going to do to help us to pray like George Mueller? He's going to empty the cupboards. You see, George Mueller had empty cupboards. He had no food. And he prayed. And God worked. He, God allowed him to go through a difficulty. Fanny Crosby is one of the best loved hymn writers of all time. Later in life, she was asked by a Scottish minister, or she was told by a Scottish minister, it's too bad that God and his many wonderful gifts to you did not include the gift of sight. Fanny answered this, if I had been given a choice at birth, I would have asked to be blind. Why, he asked. She said, the first face ever to gladden my sight will be when I get to heaven and behold the face of the one who died for me. And then she said this, I verily believe that God intended that I should live my days in physical darkness so that I might be better prepared to sing his praises and lead others from spiritual darkness into eternal light. And she said, with sight, I would have been too distracted to have written thousands of hymns. God allowed a difficulty in her life. And that difficulty in her life taught her about God. And as it taught her about God, she put it into music. And we're blessed by the music, which takes us to our third storm. Can you turn to Acts chapter number 27? In Jonah, God's using a storm to wake him up, to get him close to where he needs to be in his relationship with God so that God can use him. In Mark chapter number four, God brings a storm that he might grow his disciples. Acts chapter number 27, we find a third storm. The apostle Paul is a slave on a ship. If you're taking notes, you can write next to this Storm, the speak up storm. He's on a boat and he says to the centurion, obviously Paul walks with the Lord. The Bible says in verse 9 of Acts chapter 27, Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and the ship, but also of our lives. Verse 11, nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Verse 12, because the haven was not commodious to winter in, they said, let's get out of here. All right, that's paraphrase there. Verse 14, but not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurocladon. God sends a, a storm. Now, the apostle Paul, he didn't do anything wrong. He's on this boat as a prisoner. 
they're, they're taking him. They don't like the fact that he's preaching Christ. And he's on the boat as a, but, but wait a minute, but wait a minute, he's in the middle of this storm too. He didn't do anything wrong. What does God want to do here? God's going to use the Apostle Paul. Now, now the Bible says, verse 18, and we being exceeding tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. This was a bad storm. We felt like we're all going to die. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, for thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Hey, everybody, listen, listen, it looks really bad. This is a bad storm, but hold on a second. I'm on God's side. Hold on a second. God put me in this boat. God put me in this storm with you because God wants me to give you a message. And the message is that nobody's going to be hurt. How did he know this? Well, God told him. But I want you to see the next verse. I want you to see what Paul says, because this is really the key when we find ourselves in this type of storm. Look at what the Bible says in verse 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I... Believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Now, wait a second. It wasn't just that Paul and God had a talk. And God said, hey, if, if nobody, there, there were some, by the way, you're going to get out. And Paul says, I, I wouldn't do that. You get out and you're going to die. You better get back in. You better, you better not even think about it. But wait a second. God spoke to Paul. And Paul says this. I believe God. Do you know every one of us have the word of God? Every one of us have the promises of God. But do you know what takes somebody in a speak up storm? Do you know what causes somebody to, in the midst of difficulty to say God's good? To say, I'm on God's side. To say, hey, I don't understand what's going on. And I don't know how this is going to play out. But, but though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You know what takes someone to do that? Somebody that says, I believe God. And do you know what our problem is? Sometimes we go through difficulties. You ever try to counsel somebody? They're going through a hardship and a difficulty, and you try to give them the Bible, and they say, I know what the Bible says. I don't need that. Yeah, you do need that. And you know, sometimes we're not going to understand everything that we go through in life. But we can stand on the promises of God. And Paul said, I got a word from God. But I didn't say to God, God, you see how bad this is? You see this rain? Huh? And you're telling me we're going to be saved. It doesn't look like we're going to be saved. You don't see that at all. God says, hey, if they stay in the boat, they're going to be saved. I, thank you, God. I believe what you're saying. He couldn't see. It's not like everything went away. No, he said, hey, I'm going to believe God. And when the boat continued to toss and turn, he said, hey, I'm believing God. 
We're going to be okay. I'm believing God. And can I say this? God will sometimes allow us to go through difficulty because he wants to use us to be a witness for him. God said to Satan in the book of Job, have you considered my servant Job? Job's going to believe me. And Job's going to glorify me. In Acts chapter 16, as a matter of fact, let's turn there and we'll go a little longer. How about that? (laughs) See, I was hoping to get out a little earlier. You're still going to get out earlier. In Acts chapter number 16, in Acts chapter number 16, Paul and Silas are in prison. You say, preacher, what'd they do wrong? Nothing. They just said, hey, we're here to tell you about Jesus. And the Bible says this in verse 23 of Acts 16. And when they had laid many stripes upon them. Now, you know what that is. They beat them. They come into town. They try to talk about Jesus. He didn't. This is not going to happen. We're going to get these guys here. We're going to throw them into prison. Before we throw them into prison, we're going to beat them. Which means what? They were in a lot of pain. They were in pain physically, emotionally. They're going to prison for serving God. It's not right. It's not fair. But the Bible says this. They cast him into prison. Verse, and, and, and verse 24, they made their feet fast in the stocks, the latter part of that verse. And look at verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Huh? They had a relationship with God. It's interesting. We won't turn. There's another passage where the disciples were, were beaten, and they came back to the rest of them, and they, and they counted it worthy. Hey, we were allowed to suffer for God. We got to suffer Hey, they're in prison and they're singing praises. You know the story. An earthquake comes and the Bible says uh, 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 the, the, the keeper of the prison thinks everybody's going to escape. And so he's going to kill himself. Verse 27. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself. Supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They're all here? The prisoners heard them. The people that were in prison for doing stuff wrong were still there. Huh. They didn't escape either. They're all there. Because the singing praises to God in the midst of a terrible situation and in the midst of deep pain, Paul and Silas still sang praises to God and all the prisoners are still there. And the jailer says this. Look at the verse. What must I do to be saved? Can I say it this way? The jailer, the prison doors are open. They're all there. He heard them singing praises in the midst of this. And here's what he says. I want what you have. What must I do to be saved? I want what you have. And we think about this. How often is it that individuals will come up to us and say, I want what you have. 
Do you know when people watch us go through storms and we still praise God not knowing how it's going to work out, God is glorified. People see Jesus in us and they say, I want that. The speak up storm. But it comes when we choose to believe God. Not when we understand how it's all going to work out, but when we choose to believe God in the darkness. It was a sunny afternoon, the day that the Stead family decided to have a picnic at a beach in Long Island, New York. While eating their lunch, they heard cries for help and spotted a drowning boy in the sea. Mr. Stead, the dad, was there with his wife and a, and, a, and, a, and a child, charged into the water, and as it often happens, the struggling boy pulled him under. Mrs. Stead and their daughter watched in horror as, they, as both the boy and her husband, Mr. Stead, drowned. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that, ladies, the difficulty of watching your husband, your daughter watching your husband drown? Over the months, as Mrs. Stead struggled with the loss of the one dearest to her, she found comfort in her little home in Ohio when she penned the words, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know Thus saith the Lord. That song is still a blessing to us today, isn't it? It's a blessing to us today because in the midst of a difficult time in life, a lady said, hey, (laughs) I'm going to let God use me. And I'm going to write down the words to this song. Wow. Hey, God wants to use us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're to comfort others with the comfort wherewith we were comforted ourselves. I've never, I know this could come a shock to some of you. You're going to be shocked when I say this. I have no clue what it's like to birth a baby. (laughs) Never have, never will. And, And the rest of you men, You don't have any clue either. You know, when women are are pregnant, you know, it gets to be the nine months, and they're like, you know, they're like uh, great with child, to use the scripture language. Uh, I I can't, I I don't really know what to say too much to help them. Well, sister, it's going to be good. You're going to have a baby. You're going to love that baby. You know, take a shower. I don't know, you know. But when they talk to my wife, my, we have six children. She had a couple of miscarriages. My wife, oh, girl, I don't know. Did you have the pain here? And, all, and it goes down to the leg and all. And I did this and I did and I ate this and I drank this and blah, blah, blah. There's a connection because she's been there. And the pain she went through, she can help others and comfort others. You don't know what difficulty you're going through. We've all, born of women, we all have troubles. We all have challenges. God wants 
to be your best friend. God wants you to be close to him. Could it be that the difficulty you're facing now is God saying, come here, my child. You need me. Could it be that the difficulty you're going through now could be God saying, just hold on. You're about to see how big I am. I'm about to show you something about me that you've never seen before. Could it be the difficulty you're going through right now that God could be saying, I want to use you to make an eternal difference in someone else's life. I've chosen you here on earth. Think about this, the God of heaven. I've chosen you here on earth to be my agent, to go through this suffering so that you can demonstrate and communicate who I am to other people. I found a poem recently. I'm going to conclude with this. The author said this, I refuse to be discouraged, to be sad or to cry. I refuse to be downhearted and here's the reason why. I have a God who's mighty, who's sovereign and supreme. I have a God who loves me and I am on his team. He is all wise and powerful. Jesus is his name. Though everything is changeable, my God remains the same. My God knows all that's happening, beginning to the end. His presence is my comfort. He is my closest friend. When sickness comes to weaken me, to bring my head down low, I call upon my mighty God into his arms. I go. We serve a great God. Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. And we say, I want to run. And God says, hey, don't run. Let me work. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for the privilege to preach here tonight. Thank you for this wonderful church and these wonderful people. Lord, I pray now that you would do what only you can do. Would you draw people to yourself? Would we be open and honest with you tonight and say, Lord, here's what I think you're doing in my life, and I'm going to yield to it. Lord, work now as we give people an opportunity to talk to you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I wonder, did the Spirit of God speak to your heart? You're here tonight as a Christian. You see, pastors, the Word of God was being preached. God was speaking to my heart. Pastor, would you pray for me? Can I see your hand across the auditorium? Pastor, pray for me. God's working. Amen.